this before. Uh, well, don't, don't feel bad. Uh, I, I hadn't either when I first uh, encountered him, uh, but it was sure a name that I was never, ever going to forget. Not because Hyman Appleman is a funny-sounding name to my 15-year-old self, but because of the impact that he made on my life, the one and only time I ever heard him speak. With a funny-sounding name like that, you might guess he's not from these parts. <laughs> uh, Hyman was born in Russia at the start of the 20th century, that's the early 1900s, um, raised in a strict Orthodox Jewish faith. And he came to America with his parents to find a better life, as many did. He, he knew Hebrew, he knew Russian, didn't know English, so he had to learn it as, uh, as he came here. Um, and so he did, and, and he soon was able to graduate from DePaul University uh, with a law degree. And so he went on to become a uh, very young, successful lawyer in, in Chicago. I mean, he was really driven, just pouring himself into his work. Matter of fact, we, we would call that a workaholic today, right? Um, well, it's now the fall of 1924, and, um, sorry, and, and Hyman here, he, um, he, he's, he's on the verge of a nervous breakdown because he's just burning the candle at both ends. And so he comes home from work one night. He walks into his, his home, and there seated uh, his mother, his father, his brother, his law partner. And they said, Hyman, we are very, very concerned about you. You're, you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown. You're, you're just, this is like an intervention. They wouldn't have called it that back then, but that's really what it was. It was, it was an intervention. Uh, they even had the family doctor there. That's, that's how concerned uh, they, they were. They all said that Hyman needed to take a vacation. And so reluctantly, he, he agreed to do so. So he packed things up and he started to head west. So you got to remember, this is back in the day where you couldn't just, you know, go online and make a reservation at the Hilton. Um, and so he headed west and he finally got to Wichita, Kansas uh, to make his first stop. And this was not uncommon back in the day, but you would actually stay at the YMCA, right? And, and that's what he did. He, he checked himself in to the local YMCA. It was on a Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, right? And, um, and before he gets to his room, there was actually kind of a parlor area where people will gather. Now, again, there's no, there's no TVs. There's no radios in the rooms, right? Um, there's really nothing to do. So it was very common for... Um, for guests of a, of a hotel or some type of lodging facility to gather in, in, and to just talk, right? Oh, where are you from? Where are you from? Well, actually, he walks into the middle of a kind of a heated debate uh, about religion. And this, this, this started around 4 o'clock and went till about 10 o'clock. <laughs> so you can imagine, that must have been a pretty, pretty interesting discussion. Well, yeah, he's finally getting tired, so... Uh, the conversation is breaking up. He heads up to his room, and as he's starting to unpack and get ready, there's a knock at the door, and he opens the door, 
and, and, and Hyman sees that there's one of the guys who was in the parlor, uh, who was part of this religious discussion, and his name was Daly, and he was actually a reporter uh, for, a, for a local newspaper, uh, the Wichita, uh, uh, excuse me, not Wichita, the Kansas City Star was the newspaper. Anyway, he, he said, uh, you know, really enjoyed being part of the conversation, uh, and, and he actually started to witness, <laughs> he started to witness to Hyman, this, this, this Jewish-born, burned-out lawyer guy um, about Jesus. He, and, you know, he, he at least got Hyman to agree. He said, look, before I, I, I leave, will you promise me something? Hyman said, what's that? And he said, will, will you at least read the New Testament? And, and Hyman thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll get this guy out of my room. Sure, yeah, I'll agree to it. So he leaves, and, and Hyman starts thinking about it, and he goes, well, you know, I certainly know the Old Testament. I mean, as, a, as growing up uh, Jewish, he, he, uh, he actually had to memorize a, a lot of the, the Torah and, and uh, uh, the Old Testament. But uh, the New Testament, you know, he, he knew it was part of the Bible, but where was he going to find a Bible? Yeah. There uh, in his room was a Gideon-placed Bible, and he opened it, and he began to read. And as you can imagine, God's Word can do. It got a hold of his heart. And that was the beginning of his conversion, and that was the beginning of his call to ministry. And what a ministry it was for this converted Russian Jew that he had for the next several decades. Actually, it was Billy Graham who once said, Dr. Appleman is one of the greatest and most powerful preachers of the gospel I have ever listened to. I used to listen to him preach at night uh, and made notes on his sermons. One of my own, uh, excuse me, some of my own knowledge and inspiration concerning mass evangelism came from his ministry. Thousands of names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life because Dr. Appleman came their way. Indeed, and I thank God that I am one of them. You see, it was on April 1st, 1979, when I was a teenager, a God-denying, I guess you would call me atheist, reluctantly sitting in a church pew that a schoolmate of mine had uh, coerced me to going to his church one, one evening. Actually, I, I wasn't going to go at all. I, I just wasn't interested in religion. But he said, hey, my youth group is having an event. And um, I said, I'm not interested. He said, well, we have free pizza and cute girls in my church. And I said, okay, what time? <laughs> so, so we get there, and yeah, we had the pizza, and, you know, boys on one side, girls on the other side. And then we all said, oh, we're all going into the worship hall. And we did. And I thought, uh-oh. Sure enough, there was a, a speaker there. And... Uh, Guess who it was? Yeah, Hyman Appleman, the guy with the funny name. And for the first time ever, the first time ever that I could recall, I had heard the gospel message. I'd been in church before with my parents, but nothing like this. I was convicted that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And that very night, at his invitation... 
Dr. Appleman, I gave my life to the Lord so that I too may be saved. Hmm, yes. How I thank God for the teaching of Dr. Appleman and how I thank God for the Gideon who placed the Bible in the room that night that led to his conversion, which was made possible because someone cared enough to provide that Bible to be placed there. And since 1908, churches like this one have partnered with the Gideon ministry around the world, helping us to distribute. We just surpassed 2.5 billion copies of God's Word since 1908 uh, to those who really desperately need um, the hope and the salvation contained in the pages of those scriptures. Now, you might be thinking, wow, 2.5 billion, I didn't know there were that many hotel rooms in the world. <laughs> well, truth is, uh, that's, just a, uh, that's just a fraction uh, of where we place Bibles. E even though the Gideons are, are well known for placing um, scriptures and placing Bibles in, in the nightstands of hotel rooms and motels, that, that's really just uh, part of it. You'll also find Gideons placing God's Word in all sorts of traffic lanes of, of life, um, hospitals, assisted living facilities, and thanks to your ongoing support, we're able to put uh, New Testaments uh, into the hands of students in, in schools and on college campuses, prisoners, police, medical personnel, and even men and women in the armed services. Not just here in the United States, but we're actually doing scripture distributions right now to um, soldiers in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. And the ability to digitally share uh, the Bible is, is also now part of our, our ministry through the Gideon Bible app. Uh, it's complete with a topical helps index uh, and guidance on becoming a Christian. What do I mean by a helps index? Well, you can actually go to a Gideon Testament or our online app, and if you're like, man, I've, I'm dealing with depression, or I'm dealing with grief, or financial struggles, or sin, or whatever it is, I mean, God's Word really can speak to any challenges that we have in life. And so you can uh, look these things up by to uh, topics and it'll point you to scripture that will uh, really speak, speak to those, those issues. So it's on behalf of those who are receiving the life-changing uh, message of the gospel that, that I want to thank the congregation here at Conway Alliance uh, for, for the ongoing support, uh, allowing us to provide scriptures not only in far reaches of the world, but even right here in, in western Pennsylvania. Now, I would be remiss if I sat here and just talked about God's Word without actually reading from it. Um, so let me, uh, for a reading today, I'm going to turn your attention to the story of Gideon himself, the namesake of our, our ministry, and you'll find that in the seventh chapter of the book of Judges, where the Lord um, has picked this very simple man named Gideon and emboldened him to raise up other Israelites to defend them against the oppression of the Midianites. So we're going to start here at verse 1. Then uh, uh, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, 
The people with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set, uh, uh, set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands up to their mouths, was 300 men. All the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give you the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets. And he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts of abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. He said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Jotah, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then blow trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, when they had just set watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. 
And then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against the comrade and against the army. And the army fled as far as Belshetan towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Melorah by Tabith. And the men of Israel were called out from Nathali and from Asher and from all of Messiah, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them for as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth Barah and also Jordan. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb and the rock of Oreb, and, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. I encourage you to continue to read Judges from there, um, um, but I'll give you a spoiler alert, <laughs> okay? Uh, God uses this relatively small group of men, 300, only 300, against tens of thousands of Midianites, helping Israel to return to putting their faith in the Lord. In the story of Gideon, there really are so many um, takeaways. But, but the first lesson I would say is this. You don't have to be somebody special to do something special. Let me say it again. You don't have to be somebody special to do something special. The Lord uses an ordinary person here. Gideon's just an ordinary person to do extraordinary things. And that was the case when just two traveling salesmen met in 1898 and acted on the Lord's calling in their lives to start an association of Christian businessmen for mutual support on the road, these traveling businessmen, to strengthen their witness for Christ. And when these two guys put out an invitation to start such an organization, guess how many showed up? One other. <laughs> so the initial meeting, just three guys, but that was enough for the Lord to use to start the Gideon's International Ministry. As volunteers like myself, uh, Gideon's um, right here in, in Beaver County and, and around the world, we, we serve as the missionary arm for churches such as this so that others can receive their very own copy of God's Word. Available in, I think it's 110 languages now, at no cost to them because someone like you cared enough to provide for those scriptures. Today, Gideons are partnering with churches anywhere to save the lost everywhere. Now, having access to your own Bible as you're sitting here, uh, this morning, it might not seem like a big idea. I, I, bet you, I bet you you have more than just one Bible at home, don't you? Yeah. But among the some 200 nations where the Gideons International serve, the idea of owning 
your own Bible is unfathomable. It's either unaffordable or just unaccessible. But our members, we live and serve in some of the most remote, darkest places on earth. And the scriptures that we hand out to them, that may be the only book that they ever possess. We hear stories time and time again from Gideons over there who who they'll go into some of these places and, and they'll, with a single testament will actually be passed around an entire family, if not an entire village. They'll actually take turns. And, and, and they're memorizing scripture because they know they might not get their hands on a Bible again. Although we, we see our own American culture getting more and more secularized and, 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 and Christianity... Uh, People are just getting more and more hostile with anything to do with Christianity anymore. I got some good news. <laughs> Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. He's not thwarted by, by any of that. He, God is opening doors around the globe for, for his word to go forth, and, and Gideons are at the ready to go through those open doors um, in places such as Nicaragua. I'm, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Nicaragua because it was, gosh, maybe five, six years ago now, uh, I, served, <clears throat> I served on a scripture blitz team in this very impoverished Central American country. I, I did that for one week, followed by another week-long blitz in Costa Rica. So it was really a two-week span that we, uh, we covered this area. A scripture blitz is really just a, a concerted effort where um, several uh, American Gideons, we will go and work with our brother Gideons in, in their countries, uh, in, in lands and in areas where uh, perhaps they don't have uh, quite the same access to, to God's word um, like we do. And, and so we identify those places of need and we kind of focus, focus on that. And so during this uh, scripture blitz in Nicaragua, I had the privilege of working with 19 other U.S. Gideons. One, one fellow was from Australia. Uh, we... Um, we, we uh, met up with dozens, dozens of Gideons in Nicaragua. And that's kind of one of the beauties of, of, of the ministry is, is that we're not just like uh, Western missionaries going into other countries and, and you know, preaching and then leaving. But, but, but the Gideons, uh, they, they live, they serve, they work in their communities. They're, they're indigenous, so they know the culture, they know the language, they know the customs. They already have the relationships that allow us to get into schools. I couldn't walk up to a, a school in Nicaragua and say, let me in, but because they already had the relationships there, um, we, we, were, we were able to, to do that. Let me tell you a little bit uh, about what we, we encountered. Um, there's a high percentage of poor in Nicaragua. That's probably not, not a surprise, but man, it's the likes of which I don't think any of us have, have ever seen uh, before. Uh, certainly nothing like we think of, of poor in, in the United States. I mean, these people were living, their, their idea of a home was uh, maybe some cement block, um, maybe some, some old uh, vinyl siding that they found somewhere, wrapping some chain link fencing and so forth. Um, and yet, and yet, these were some of the most grateful people I've ever encountered in my life. Why were they grateful? Because we showed up and we said, we care about you. We want to tell you about Jesus. 
And, uh, and, and so they, uh, they were very grateful when, when, when they encountered us and, and willing to accept these uh, pocket testaments that we were, we were giving them for their very own, right? We, we are very strategic. Gideons are very strategic about where we're, where we're um, placing scriptures because we want to be very efficient. We want to be very effective. And, and perhaps no place is more impactful than at schools where we're able to reach the youth. Now, uh, as you can imagine here in the U.S., getting into a, uh, an American school to share scriptures, that's not happening uh, like it used to. We used to be able to do that on a very common basis. Not so much anymore. But yet, we go to uh, some of these other um, lands, and I'd have to say almost 100% of every school we went to, not only did they allow us in, they welcomed us. They, they, they stopped the school day. They were bringing the kids out of the classroom, gathering into the, into the courtyard. And, and, and this was an occasion as we were able to hand each of them their very own pocket testament. Um, and not only just to hand them a, a testament, but we were actually able to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ because we had interpreters with us. Um, and, and so we were able to actually walk the students through some of the pages of the Testaments uh, through our translator and, and tell them about the gospel message contained within. And in, in the back of each, um, of each Gideon uh, pocket Testament, about one of these sizes, maybe you have one, um, is a simple explanation of God's plan for salvation for those who accept Christ into their lives. And, and I was personally able to lead hundreds and hundreds through such a prayer to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I'll tell you what, the, the joy on the faces of those kids, that's something I'll never forget. As they signed their name in the back of those testaments commemorating their lives to Jesus. But one of the most memorable moments for me on this particular blitz was at a rural school outside the hills of um, Messiah, Nicaragua, a school that is nothing more, as you can see there, um, than some deteriorating cement held together by wire meshing that serve as the windows to the classroom. They have to keep it open, one, because there's no air conditioning there. There's not even light inside there. Daylight, that was all that would come through. Uh, no electricity. Anyway, there. Um, so we're going from classroom to classroom at this particular school, and we're talking to the students and witnessing them, passing out the New Testaments, and praying with them. And um, the, the principal there was a woman named Connie, and, and Connie she permitted us to go to the classroom, but but she followed us. I mean she. She was on top of us, uh, following us from classroom to classroom, listening intently to what we were saying, uh, as a good principal should. Right, Rich? Um, so they, uh, they, they, but she's also you know, hearing not only the words we're speaking, but she's seeing the joy on her students' faces, or at least hearing their reactions as they're accepting Christ as their Savior. So through our interpreter, we get, we get through our last classroom, we, and, and through our interpreter, um, Principal Connie says, says to us, she says, uh, 
I'd like to see you guys in my office. Now, I don't care what culture you're in, <laughs> but getting called to the principal's office is usually not a good thing. Um, so we, we did. I thought, uh-oh, you know, maybe we, maybe we went too far. Maybe we said something she, she didn't like. But again, through our interpreter, uh, Connie expressed that she's not a Christian. And she'd actually been going through a very, very uh, difficult uh, breakup of her family at, at that time. and was just really wrestling with, with the whole situation there. But hearing the gospel message and seeing her students come to a new life in Christ, she said, how can I become a Christian? <laughs> well... Following our, our praying together, um, Connie, uh, Connie signed her name in, in the back of the book, in the back of the, uh, the New Testament that we gave her. And that day, a new name was added to the Lamb's Book of Life, too. <laughs> At the end of our two-week scripture blitz in, in Central America there, we had distributed over 180,000 copies of God's Word. Testaments, just like this one, except they were in Spanish. Um, but they were made available because someone cared enough, someone was generous enough to, to provide them. So you might be asking yourself, well, how can I help? What, what can I do to make sure that, that people like the principal uh, in, in Nicaragua, their Connie, or, or, or the kids in Nicaragua, or, or Costa Rica, or right here in western Pennsylvania, how, how is it that we can help provide, make sure that people have that access to the truth and the hope and the salvation found in God's Word. The first thing I would ask is that you pray. This is a ministry that was founded, that has been built on prayer, and is sustained by people continuing to lift up our ministry in prayer. And among your daily prayers, I would ask that you would um, pray that the Lord would continue to open up these doors uh, these doors of opportunities for us to, to, to share His Word and, and to be able to witness. I'd really be grateful for that and, and grateful for, for prayers for protection, too, because, you know, the, the enemy is out there and, and, and doesn't like it when, <laughs> when, when we're able to, to, to do our work. Not only would your prayers be a gift of encouragement, but today you have the opportunity for a gift of enablement. Because for every $1.50 you donate, you're providing somebody who needs God's Word their very own copy, be it here in, in Beaver County or around the globe, so that they too may come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Now, maybe you didn't come prepared today to write out a check or put some cash in the, in the uh, uh, little envelope that you have there in the in the program, that's okay. Uh, and you don't have to wait. Uh, you don't have to wait for a Gideon to come back uh, again because actually out in the lobby here is a display of Gideon cards. You might have seen a little rack out there of these greeting cards and wondered what that's all about. Well, they're actually called Gideon cards. And it's really cool because uh, these are cards that uh, express a sentiment of, of uh, sympathy or praying for you or, or something else depending upon somebody's life circumstance, where you can really bless them uh, by providing scriptures in honor or in memory of, of someone. The cards are free, but for $5 a piece, you can dedicate a Bible that's going to go somewhere 
uh, either in the United States or around the world to, to people who need it. What a great idea to be not only an encouragement to, to the person you're sending the card to, but the person you're blessing uh, who's, receiving, who's receiving their, their, their Bible. Um, I, I love giving. We, my wife and I, you know, we used to send flowers for funerals. They wither away. God's Word doesn't doesn't. So feel free to use that or you can go online anytime to sendtheword.org. Uh, you can send uh, an electronic e-card uh, as well, uh, the, the same way. Uh, we also want to consider, have you consider uh, being what's called a friend of the Gideons, where uh, you're sustaining uh, support. Uh, you'll be receiving periodic updates on our, our ministry, testimonies, and and ways that you can um, be praying and actually get access to your own copies so that in case you wanted to maybe uh, share this as well, you're, you're certainly able to, to do that. And lastly, and this is for uh, any business professional men here, even if you're retired, uh, if the Lord has put a burden on your heart to be a part of this ministry, uh, I'd love to talk with you after the service. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's uh, there's only a few of us in Beaver County that are serving in the, in the local Gideon ministry, and we, we can use all the help we can get. And it's a great opportunity not only for you to serve the Lord that way, uh, but uh, wives as well. Uh, my wife's been a, an auxiliary member uh, for, for many years, too. Um, so I'd love to talk with you about uh, perhaps being a Gideon yourself. But as you prayerfully consider whatever it is the Lord is putting on your heart to do today, there's one thing um, that you can be assured of, and that is that any donation that you give goes exclusively to the printing and, and uh, distribution costs associated with the scriptures. They're not going to overhead. It doesn't go to anybody's salary. It goes right to getting God's word into people's hands where they are needed. But there is one thing that you may never know. And that is exactly all the lives that are going to be impacted by the scriptures that you provide. And eventually, how grateful they are going to be <laughs> for your generosity. But this thing we do know, and it comes from God's word, comes from Isaiah 55, 11, And that is that God's word, it doesn't return empty or void. No, it shall accomplish what the Lord purposes. That we have confidence in. This here is a box um, that I brought back from our Central American Scripture Blitz. It held 100 Spanish-language pocket testaments that were distributed in Nicaragua. And, and we, carried, we carried these full boxes um, uh, all over the place, all over the blistering heat, very hilly parts of, of Nicaragua. Um, distributing in hospitals, colleges, jails, uh, college campuses. And, and as soon as we'd you know, take the last testament out, handing it out, we, we would just take these boxes and throw them to the side and zip open another box. And you know, it was like, a, it was like a, a Bible machine. You know? It was exciting. Um, and, and then when we would finish up our distribution, we'd go over and we'd gather up our boxes and we'd um, take them back with us because we didn't want to leave garbage there. And we'd just... Tear, tear them down, throw them away or something. At, uh, at one of the schools, uh, as, the, as the last students were leaving for the day and, and were 
cleaning up our, our pile of discarded boxes. One of the mothers who had been waiting there for uh, her kids to come out, she was waiting there with some little toddlers as well, waiting for her kids to come out from school. Uh, she watched us, and, and again, through our interpreter, she, uh, she just said, I'd like to thank you, Gideons, for giving out these scriptures to these kids on coming out of school. And, oh, well, you're certainly welcome. And then she had another question. She said, um, she said what, are you, what are you gonna do with these boxes, these empty boxes sitting here? I thought, oh, well, nothing. I'm, we're just gonna take them back, throw them away. She said, would it, would it be okay if I took about four or five of them? Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. We're not, we don't have any use for them. But I was curious, and I said, I said what, are you, what are you planning on doing with these? And she said, I'm going to take them home tonight, and I'm going to tape them together and make a bed for my smallest child. <laughs> if someone can find value in, in just the empty boxes, just imagine the value of when they're full of scriptures that are able to be handed out. A case of 100 testaments costs $150 to print and transport and distribute into the open hands of those who are hungry and in need of God's word. Every $1.50 that is donated feeds that spiritual hunger and can change a life so that they may have eternal life. I want to thank uh, Ruth and, and Pastor Rich again for, for allowing me to share here about how God is using the Gideon ministry. And um, again, I, I look forward to speaking to anybody uh, after the service here that, that wants some more information. And um, again, gentlemen, I encourage you to step up as the Lord may be leading you to join our local camp here in Beaver County um, as we seek to continue to win others for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just the, gosh, what was it, a week or two, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the 22nd anniversary of Remember what? 9/11. That's right. Um, I think every, I think that's one of those dates, uh, September 11th, 2001, that everyone can remember where they were when they when they heard the news uh, about uh, the, the the plane attacks first in New York, then in D.C., and of course we know what happened uh, here in Pennsylvania. Uh, New York was, you can imagine, um, devastated. But that's it. We we can only imagine. Uh, the impact that that had on, on people there. Um, and, and the Gideons were at the ready. Even in the midst of the, the rescue workers in the ensuing days, um, not only were Gideons able to come alongside the, the first responders and, and encourage them with God's word, but just the people of New York City as well, uh, who were just starting to question life in ways they had never done before. And so every September since then, the Gideons organize what we call the New York City Metro Blitz, where again, we uh, focus our efforts in sharing God's word to the people of, of New York City. And so I, I wanna leave you with a video here that, that shows not only what it means to be a Gideon, but how your prayers and support make possibilities like this.